we're at the beginning of a worldwide holocaust and these hospitals are being used as the front lines to implement it hey friends sean from sgt report here thanks so much for tuning in that was scott shara you'll recall that that hospital in appleton wisconsin saint elizabeth's they killed his daughter in fact they murdered grace and she had down syndrome and scott joins us again today with a very important update and a warning to every single person who's listening Hey, before we start, guys, just a quick word about our sponsor. So did you know that silver demand will exceed supply again this year? By a large factor, silver is one of the most useful industrial metals out there. And demand is soaring amidst the green new agenda. Electric cars, solar panels, iPhones, it all requires silver. There will also be future demand in the field of nanotechnology, the food industry, and printed and flexible electronics. You heard that right. Demand will increase by at least 50% by 2030. There's no better time to invest with Noble Gold than right now. Noble Gold Investments will walk you through the entire process and will take you no more than five minutes to open a gold or silver IRA. And this month, you'll get a three ounce Silver American Virtue coin with a qualified IRA of 20 grand or higher. You can't go wrong with Noble Gold Investments. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com. Hey friends, it's a great pleasure to have you all back. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's Sean from sgtreport.tv and sgtreport.com and of course thephaser.com. I really appreciate you guys for being here and uh, I'm very glad to have back on the line Scott Sherr. We're going to welcome Scott in one second, but uh, we're going to start with this slide. Last week, the FDA and CDC signed off on the Pfizer and Moderna bivalent bioweapon booster shots for children as young as five years old. They did it without clinical trials, without data, without independent review, and without any legitimate scientific rationale. And that comes from Mary Holland, the president of Children's Health Defense. I want to welcome back to the show Scott Shera, who lost his beloved daughter, Grace, about one year ago at St. Elizabeth's Hospital in Appleton, Wisconsin, due to the Fauci protocols, friends. Let me welcome Scott, and then I want to share a couple more bits of actually good news. Scott, welcome back. Well, thanks for having me, Sean. I had the benefit of meeting Mary uh, about two weeks ago, so that was neat that you played her clip first. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, well, with credit to my buddy over at uh, Dollar Vigilante, I was watching that show, Jeff Berwick, today, and he played that slide, uh, and I grabbed it because it's just so important to keep these things in perspective as the war against humanity continues. And it doesn't matter how bad the data is, Scott. They just keep coming. They refuse to change the narrative. So let me show some good news. ICANN lawyers will sue any state that requires COVID-19 vaccination to attend school. So a giant hat tip to Dell Bigtree, because that is his informed consent action network, ICANN. And by the way, guys, a judge has just ordered Fauci and 45 of Biden's federal officials to be deposed in social media collusion case. These people can run, but they cannot hide. Scott, I'll remind people, the website for Grace, ouramazinggrace.net. You lost your daughter on October 13th, 2021. So about one year ago. And again, my condolences, man, but you're taking these people on because the doctors killed her, the hospitals killed her, and Fauci killed her, didn't they? Yeah, well, it's even worse. I mean, I would cross the line now and say they murdered her because of all the research I've done. I mean, at the beginning, I knew they killed her, but I mean, to go to murder is quite a stretch. And I had to do the research myself to prove it. And and I have, and all of that is is listed on Grace's website that you already mentioned. But, you know, what I want to walk through today is 
that it's still happening. And this will should shock people because on September 19th, President Biden announced that the pandemic is over. And I knew it wasn't because I'm I'm studying. I'm in the uh, in the research literally every single day. So I, I went and did some homework on what were the actual numbers the day after he announced that the pandemic is over. And the week ending September 20th, which was the day after, there were 28,833 new hospital admissions in the United States with people with COVID. Okay, so then does that is that a big number, a little number? Well, to put it in perspective, that number is with other countries that are developed. So if you look at the slide that I have there, Sean, there I've listed six other developed countries with populations that are uh, combined higher than the United States. And yet in the same week, they had 17,000 less hospital admissions. All right. So if you look at this slide, it shows that the the six other countries that I picked, Germany, France, Italy, Spain, Netherlands, and Israel have a combined population of 12 million less than the United States, but yet they had 17 fewer hospitalizations for the same week. What's, it, what's really awesome about what is happening with COVID is all the research that is available at your fingertips. So then what happened, you mentioned Grace's, the anniversary of Grace's death date. Well, on that same date, they also re-upped the public health emergency. And just to connect the dots for your viewers, September, or excuse me, not September, January 27th of 2020 was when the first public health emergency was adopted by President Trump. And by law, they have to extend that every 90 days. So in, even though Biden said the pandemic is over on September 19th, literally three weeks later, they extended the public health emergency. So what does that mean? Well, it means that from the hospital killing lane, which is what I'm in, that the PrEP Act immunity, which the doctors and nurses in the hospitals receive immunity from liability for killing people, that continued along with the bonuses that they pay hospitals for following these agendas that literally murder people. And so if you project out the week ending September 20th, now I picked October 5th, which is the typical amount of time somebody's in the hospital with COVID, and we had 1,085 deaths in the United States of people who died supposedly of COVID. But the reality is they died of hospital protocols. And I'm going to connect those dots in a minute. And this has been consistent. There's a thousand people a day being murdered in hospitals with COVID every single day in the United States. And that's why I'm talking about this. It might not seem like a big number to, to people, but if you're the one laying in the hospital bed, they're going to do everything in their power to get a positive COVID test because then they can implement the protocols and then they can get the government bonus payments. And this is still happening. Uh, it is, it's so sick. So let's go, uh, Sean, unless you have a question about those two slides, we'll go to numbers don't lie. Yeah, I do. I bumped on that just for a second because in my mind's eye, the people in hospitals with quote unquote COVID should be plummeting at this point, except for the fact that you're probably right. The people in the hospitals with quote unquote COVID are probably the vaccinated. So is the number really still that high? A thousand per day are dying due to these protocols in the hospitals? It is. I mean, that's what that's why I'm still sharing this message. People don't realize it. They think that, you know, everything's back to normal. When I talk to people, they, you know, because most people aren't wearing masks, they're so thankful everything's back to normal. Things are not back to normal. 
uh, it's continuing at the same pace. And, you know, there's a little reprieve right now because of the midterms, but uh, they'll be hitting us strong with another wave of something. I, I mean, I'm not a prophet, so I can't tell you what they're going to hit us with. But, uh, it, you know, they have an agenda to reduce the population, so they're not going to stop. And the hospitals are underneath the radar screen because in the scheme of the, like you just started with Mary Holland's quote, you know, the vaccines are killing way more people. So that seems like what everybody's focused on. But, you know, I I, I wanted to stay in my lane, which is the hospital lane and, and make sure people realize you've got to be prepared before you go into the hospital and do everything in your power to stay out. Well, you stay in your lane and I'll stay in mine and together we'll take these people down because in my view, it is the vaccine that is the bioweapon that is killing people and putting people in the hospital with quote unquote COVID. And let's just flesh it out with Karen Kingston, who was just recently on Mike Adams show, and she provided the evidence of the patent that reveals cognitive action spike protein structures in the mRNA vaccines. These are patents, guys, for the bioweapon. Listen to this. And, and I, I really want the truth to be understood and the evidence to be seen and evaluated. So I have new information today where I want to go through the patents to verify some of what we, we talked about, as well as talk about quantum dot, because that's the backbone technology and energy of this AI bioweapon. Guys, it is an AI bioweapon. These are pharmaceutical nanotech technologies. And Pfizer would never reveal that. Of course, they want to bury all the data for 75 years. And we have this slide from the FDA, which proves the FDA and Pfizer knew what the effects of the mRNA jab were back on October 22nd, 2020, about one year before Grace passed away or was murdered by St. Elizabeth's in Appleton, Wisconsin. So Scott, I'm coming back to you. You tell me what slides you want to look at. I just wanted to make the point and my audience knows it, but the normies don't. When they run out and get their booster, they are willingly accepting an offer to be injected with a bioweapon. That is a fact at this point. I I couldn't agree more. I mean, it is so sick that um, I've been doing some joint interviews with Vera Sherov, and she has really came out guns blazing and saying that it, if you participate in this craziness, you are an accomplice to murder. And so you think, well, what, how does it hurt if I get the, if I get the booster, somebody might say, well, because people who, you know, trust you and they're going to look to you. So now when you knowingly get the booster, when you see what is going on because of fear or whatever craziness you believe in, you have become an accomplice to murder. And I think she's right with that perspective. So I want you to go to the numbers don't lie slide, Sean. All right, you got it. People should also know when they take this booster or any of these damn mRNA injections, they are a guinea pig. So they're oh part of the gosh. trial. They're part right. of the trial. No question. I mean, I, I mean, thankfully we we never vaccinated Grace, not even with any of the children vaccines, because we were wise to vaccines already. But you know, when we watch Sherry Tenpenny early on before this thing even came out, we knew this was a bioweapon and. Um, you know, thankfully, you know, Grace never, never took it, but, you know, that, that uh, it probably contributed to her death. And I say that with a degree of certainty, because the COVID expert on the floor 
uh, the first day. So his report for the very first day said specifically in the report that he believed Grace would not be here if she would have been vaccinated. It dawns on me that for those listening who didn't hear our first interview on June 7th, just briefly recap what happened to Grace, because you and your family fought very, very hard to prevent them from killing her with these protocols. I think they basically shut you guys out of the room and they did away with the poor girl and she had Down syndrome. So she wasn't equipped to defend herself, but I can tell you firsthand, my webmaster, a very, very smart guy, he found himself in the same situation and almost lost his life. Thank God his wife moved heaven and earth to try to save his life. But uh, they did the same protocols to him. They put him on remdesivir. His organs started to shut down. And uh, he almost died. He was in the hospital for more than 30 days, I think close to three months, actually. But uh, the point oh is, is that your daughter, your daughter couldn't defend herself and they wouldn't allow you to defend her. Yeah. So the short version of Grace's story. So she went in the hospital on October 6th and she died on October 13th. So she was only in the hospital seven days. She was never on remdesivir or event because we refused those treatments. But they figured out a different way to take her out. And so I was with her from the 6th through the morning of the 10th. I was taken out by an armed guard for challenging, you know, the protocols. That's a whole nother story. But then we had to hire an attorney to get my daughter Jessica's in as a replacement. And so Grace didn't have advocacy for 44 hours. During that 44 hours, they increased the dose of a sedation drug called Presidex seven different times. So they sedated my best buddy instead of taking care of her. And that drug, they started her on October 9th. So by the time her last day came around, October 13th, she was already on it for four days. The package insert says specifically to not use that drug for more than 24 hours because it causes acute respiratory failure. They listed the first cause of death on Grace's death certificate as acute respiratory failure, which was directly caused by the hospital using that drug. So that piece of Grace's death certificate is true. And they received a $7,500 bonus for listing that as the first cause of death. They listed the second cause of death as COVID-19 pneumonia, and they received a $13,000 bonus for that listing. Of course, that was not true. The second cause of death was in addition to Presidex, which now on her last day, they ratcheted up to 14 times the original dose. This is in spite of the doctor telling us that morning how great of a day Grace had than the day before. But we refused the ventilator for the fifth time. And my so these numbers that I tell you are spot on true. But my hypothesis is because we rejected that ventilator and that ventilator decision yields a $300,000 payday for the hospital, they had to figure out a different way to take her out. Because how can she start the morning having such a good day, and then she is dead 11 hours after we have the phone call with the doctor? And you can't make up this sequence of events. I mean, with the Presidex now at 14 times the dose four days earlier, they combine that with lorazepam and morphine. In order to do that, the doctor had to order those three meds the the hospital pharmacist had to sign off on that order. The hospital alarm had to be overridden because those meds, according to the package insert for morphine, are contraindicated. And then the nurse in charge of Grace's care was had 14 years of ICU experience. So she wasn't a rookie. So that was the second cause of death. That's the real second cause of death. And that that sequence of events got me to the point where I believe Grace was murdered. And then the third cause of death, which is the most egregious, is 
that right after, eight minutes after they increased the dose of Presidex to 14 times the dose, basically knocking Grace out, the doctor put a, a do not resuscitate order on Grace eight minutes later. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, let me ask you this then. Is it the CARES Act that gives these people what they believe is immunity from these crimes, these crimes against humanity? They can commit murder and just get away with it because you're a bulldog. And that's a problem for St. Elizabeth's. You know, I think when it comes to first degree murder, premeditated murder, there should be no shielding anybody from that type of thing. And uh, being a bulldog like you are, and I've got the data, who are you going to sue? How do we hold these people accountable? Yeah, that's a great question. So the, the CARES Act basically gives the authority for the PREP Act. The PREP Act is the technical thing that gives them immunity. But, the, you know, they don't have immunity for murder. There's no immunity for murder. It's just a, it's a matter of proving it. And so thankfully, we have uh, a legal team on this. Uh, they have asked me whenever a host asks me any questions just to be quiet because <laughs> uh, sure. they don't want to they don't want to reveal legal strategy. And, and no, I just I, want the audience to know you're not letting this go. We are not letting this go. I'm getting you back on. And if we can help support you financially in terms of the lawsuit, you let us know how to do that. But uh, we are not going to let these murderers get away with murder. Well, that's that's right on. I mean, and that's why we're doing this. I mean, we've already said many times publicly we're not going to take any money. You know, so whatever money is received by this lawsuit, we want to plow it back in because we see this as a door that can be open for many other people. There's hundreds of thousands of people that have been murdered like this, but there, you know, we've had the God opened up these doors to give us the platform. And so then, you know, the attorneys hear Grace's story. It's all organized because, um, you know, the skill set that God gave me, I have it all organized for him. And so, you know, and this is, it's one of the most egregious cases out there. There's one I'm going to share with you in this program yet today that's even worse than Grace's. But, you know, Grace's is a, is a pretty egregious case. I mean, um, you know, those meds would take anybody out and then to put an illegal DNR on somebody, it's, you know, it's, it's unconscionable. Well, and that's the thing that gets those of us who are normally wired. What in the heck happened to the empathy with these doctors and these nurses? I mean, it's almost as though they were under a satanic influence. And I guess at the end of the day, for the love of money is the root of all evil. I, I would pin it on the money, you know, but I don't understand even if the hospital was going to get a $300,000 payday for putting your daughter on the vent, which didn't happen. I don't think maybe the doctors do get a cut of that. Maybe they're on some sort of commission. I mean, I just don't understand why somebody would want to sell their soul to this system to carry out these deadly protocols for money, for any amount of money. I just, I don't get it. It's it's gone on for, it's way deeper than what you think, Sean. I mean, I agree with you on the face of it, but just look at a concept that uh, Hannah Arendt, who was trying to wrap her head around the Adolf Eichmann trial from World War II, she coined the phrase banality of evil. So banality means commonplace. So evil is so common, people don't recognize it. And this will be a good segue into that, that numbers don't lie slide. So relative to the number one and number two causes of death with COVID, which are elderly and disabled, I'm just going to apply the banality of evil concept, and then you can see how they can get there. So with the banality of evil, with the with Grace, so Grace had Down syndrome, uh, what's going on with the standard of care for Down syndrome 
children now, when the young couple gets pregnant, they go to see the doctor, he immediately congratulates them and schedules their amniocentesis. If that comes back that the child is going to have Down syndrome, he recommends an abortion. You know, they just are following the white coat. 67% of Down syndrome kids are murdered in the womb now in the United States. Some countries have eliminated Down syndrome completely. So now that same young person is now taking care of my daughter, Grace, which which they listed she had Down syndrome 36 different times in the 22 doctor's reports over seven days. Well, that's no, no more necessary than listing, I have gray hair. It doesn't change anything with the standard of care, but they've already been indoctrinated through the banality of evil that Down syndrome people are worthless eaters. They're, yeah. you know, they don't have a benefit of, to society. Through the medical training, they're already taught to allocate care. And the same thing is with the elderly. You know, I'm in the last generation where kids took care of their parents. Now the parents are immediately shuttled to a nursing home or a dementia center, whatever, instead of the kids taking care of them. So now when these elderly people get into the hospital system, what do you think happens? And if your viewers haven't heard of the Milgram obedience experiment, oh, yeah. Stanley Milgram uh, showed what human nature does just by when authority tells them to kill somebody, what they do. Yeah. And I have that link on Grace's site. But I mean, in shorts, in back in 1963, 59 years ago, 60, two thirds of the of the people participating would have killed the other person just by receiving an instruction from their supervisor. So in the case of the hospital, they've already been indoctrinated to get the jab on the threat of losing their job. And then you've got to follow these protocols on the threat of losing your job. So, I mean, this is no excuse, by the way. They don't get a free pass because of the banality of evil. They still have a conscience. They're still accountable to God. All of those things are still true. But, you know, when you start looking at history and how did World War II happen with the Holocaust, we're at the beginning of a worldwide Holocaust. And these hospitals are being used as the front lines to implement it. Hey friends, thanks so much for tuning in to the SGT Report podcast. This is a good time for a quick break. Were you aware of the fact that silver prices are low due to paper manipulation by bankers? Yeah, it's true, but guess what? I just did an interview with David Jensen, and Jensen believes the Fed just triggered a terminal run on the silver market because of their printing. We should see a huge demand in coming months for physical silver. It's a perfect time to get your silver IRA started. And this month, you'll get an incredible free three-ounce silver American Virtue coin with a qualified IRA of $20,000 or higher. Call the team right now at 877-646-5347 or just visit noblegoldinvestments.com. You know, you make a great point. I'm going to title this video, I think, The Banality of Evil, because this is all eugenics. Margaret Sanger, yes, the is. founder of Planned Parenthood, believed that Black people were weeds that needed to be plucked. And uh, so there you go. We've got uh, abortion clinics all over these big cities, inner cities and near black communities. I believe the number one killer of African-Americans in this country over the past decades has been abortion. And of course, the Democrats foam at the mouth for abortion. So figure that one out. Oh, and by the way, we have Klaus Schwab and Tony Fauci and Bill Gates and Justin Trudeau. They're all on the same page with this eugenics plan. And speaking of Trudeau, the hand of the queen in Canada, not sure if you know this, they are now funding euthanasia for teenagers, adults, whoever feels depressed. If you're poor, if you can't handle it anymore, 
Justin Trudeau will pay for you to be executed by the state peacefully, I guess. Maybe they'll give those folks the same drugs they gave your daughter. But that's what we're up against, a banality of evil and new world order rulers who essentially are Satanists. I can't see it any other way at this point because they hate humanity. They despise humanity. And therefore, as you know, Scott, they despise God. That's that's right on. I mean, this what we are uh, witnessing is a world that has rejected God. And this is the, you know, they actually believe what they're doing. That's the strangest thing. So, you know, you can't wrap your head around how could this possibly happen? But these, these lists of people you just rattled off, they actually believe in what they're doing. They believe we need to reduce the world population to keep the planet healthy. So they're simply acting on their beliefs. Yeah. Well, I'll go back to this slide and then you tell me, should I be clicking on these links? Uh, you drive. Well, you don't need to, yeah, you don't need to click on the links at all. I just want to, I want to uh, give people uh, a frame of reference here because when you hear that hospitals are killing people, you know, that seems strange, right? I mean, I get that people wouldn't believe me. You think I've, I'm a whack job, all those things. I don't care what you believe about me, but these statistics really help frame and can can get somebody that's not awake awake. So if there's one thing you want to take out of this for your listeners, take this slide and share it with your with your parents, your neighbors, somebody that's not awake. So what's going on here is that the United States is the only country with over a million COVID deaths. So we have 1.1 million COVID deaths in the United States. So we're number one on the planet. That doesn't make any sense. Well, yeah, and I look, I didn't know this. Look at this. So uh, 335 million uh, people in the United States is the estimate with 1.1 million COVID hospital deaths. Meanwhile, India, with a population of 1.4 billion, had half a million COVID deaths. And I think they were following the protocols, too, but maybe they gave up on that at some point. They they actually converted to to ivermectin. So so what's going on in the United States? I mean, we have uh, India has four times the population. Their footprint on the planet is only one third of ours, and yet their death toll is less than half. Well, we're following, we only have 4.3% of the world's population, yet we're number one in deaths. Okay, so what's the reason? We're the only country where the government is paying bonuses to follow protocols. So it, in the event that it's truly an emergency for the government to pay bonuses, that could be a fine tool. But what if the protocols, which they're still doing today, 33 months into it, have kill rates that are astronomical? Remdesivir, for example, has a 75% kill rate, three doses and more. And the standard dosage from the NIH is five, five doses. Ventilators have a 90% kill rate. So these are the two primary NIH protocols that the hospitals have to follow to get paid bonuses. So this is why we're number one people. And I, I can't tell the world strong enough that this, this is really important for you to get a handle on. Because when you see these numbers, I mean, they don't lie. These are real numbers. So what's the incentive for the United States to do this for the elderly and disabled? Of course, there's a lot bigger agenda. But just to give you the, the short-term incentive is that the, the elderly are on Medicare, the disabled are on Medicaid. Those, those two... Um, federal programs account for 39% of the federal budget. So it makes sense from a financial perspective, if you believe that 
in allocation of care that everybody should have a ranking, which is all part of Obamacare. These are the two population groups you're going to take out first. And in fact, they are. They're number one and number two, because we need to be able to trim the budget. So, I mean, it, it, it's so sick, Sean. That's why I put that slide together so people can see it very simply. Yeah, thank you. Uh, just a word to my uh, webmaster, E. I love you, man. You are a tough son of a gun. He ended up in the hospital for the same reasons as anybody else that thought they had COVID back in that time. He couldn't breathe. And so what did they do? They put him on remdesivir and shortly thereafter, they put him on a vent. And only by the greater grace of God, his wife got him off of the remdesivir, I believe on day two or three, but he still had to survive that vent. And he did. And that's crazy because the vent had a 90% kill rate you put down there and a remdesivir right. kill rate of 75%. E, you're a tough son of a gun. God bless you. I'm glad you're still with us. But Scott, 90% kill rate for the vent plus bonuses for the hospital. So it's a win-win for the eugenicists. Oh, it's it's so it's so egregious, people. That's, it, you can't get your arms around it. But I mean, everybody wants to think things are back to normal and they think, well, I'd you know, Grace died in the hospital, which I, I agree. She was my daughter, so I'm more passionate about it than the next guy. But it, one a host interviewed me a couple months ago, and he said, after he heard the whole story, and he said, Scott, you know what? It's not safe to be hit by a car anymore. And this is part of the take-home message. So if you get hit by a car today, and you're unconscious at the scene, the ambulance picks you up, they take you to the nearest hospital. They haven't all been bought, but the big ones sure have. So now they take you to Ascension Hospital System, which has been bought by the government, not legally, obviously, but practically with these bonuses. So now guess what happens? As soon as you get there, they figure out who you are and they call your next of kin and they walk through their checklist. And they're going to ask, you know, where does he go to church? You know, it seems like innocent questions. Is he vaccinated? And believe me, if you depend on how you answer those questions, will determine if you're going to make it out of there alive. So everybody has to be concerned about this. Don't think just because you're not in the hospital today that you shouldn't be concerned about this. You have to be prepared. You have to get wise to hospitals in your area that haven't been bought. You have to get wise to having an advocate in the room, for example, the old way of thinking about advocacy is probably the most significant thing I could tell people. You know, I looked at being an advocate with Grace. Of course, I was paying attention and challenging, but I didn't know they had an agenda to kill at that time. So I really thought my primary role after challenging them was to just be there for my buddy for, you know, so you have a companion in the room. Well, that is not what advocacy is about anymore. Advocacy is about just like you said with your webmaster, if his wife would not have been an advocate, he would be dead today. And it means being physically there, challenging every single thing. And if they don't follow your directions, getting your loved one out of there immediately to a different hospital that will follow your directions. Well, I'm glad we're having this conversation because even though this uh, COVID emergency, I guess it's still in play to the degree that these uh, bioweapons masquerading as vaccines, still have emergency use authorization, despite there being no emergency. There never was an emergency. This whole thing was concocted out of whole cloth as part of a new world order plan to depopulate. But, uh, you know, here we sit moving towards fall and winter. And instead of people going and getting some uh, Z-Stack to stay healthy and uh, vitamin D, vitamin C, quercetin, zinc, uh, instead of getting sunlight, 
instead of uh, staying active and working out and being healthy, they're going to fearmonger people once again to try to rally the normies into getting more shots. So we'll do one more screen share here. You sent me another piece, and I think it's very interesting because I want people to understand, and they do, my audience does, but the doctors that are going yeah. along with these protocols are using lethal injection drugs to treat these patients. So yeah, that's the fact of the matter. That's what they did to your daughter. So she may as well have been on death row. They're probably the same damn pharmaceuticals given to prisoners on death row. Well, this one is a little bit different. So with Grace, they used what's called end-of-life meds, which are the meds they use to end somebody's life when they're in hospice care. So that's the Presidex, lorazepam, morphine. So how, how we got this one is a lady in um, Connecticut contacted us because they killed her daughter and her daughter also had Down syndrome and they killed her with these death row meds. And so as I dug into her case, I found some very interesting things. So the first thing that so you look at the title, it says uh, the white coat of bail for state killing. So that could be a title today, right? With what you and I could have the title of that for your message today. But this was written by Joel Zivet, and I highlighted his name for a reason. You'll see why in a minute. Back in 2014, eight years ago. So what's the reason? Well, he had visited a, a state facility, which was executing by lethal injection, and he wrote this article. Okay, so now we fast forward to April 14th of 2020, and this is one of the headlines. There was a few news agencies that reported this headline, that doctors were requesting lethal injection drugs. Well, in fact, the doctors requested these drugs on April 6th. So you look at the drugs listed, fentanyl, midazolam, verconium bromide, and verconium bromide. So these are the drugs these doctors Wait, 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 wait. Fentanyl? Yes. They requested these. I mean, you can't make this up. So these doctors requested these on April 6th. The news got a hold of it and reported it on April 14th of 2020. This is only a month into COVID, right? All right. So let's keep going down. Now, here's some excerpts from the actual letter. So this is the actual letter written on April 6th. And so these doctors are writing that they're asking for these states to give up their lethal injection supplies because they need them for patients with COVID-19. Look who the first signer of the letter is. This is the same guy who wrote about the lethal injection drugs when he went to visit the, so obviously he learned something. He learned where to get these drugs, right? Okay, so now do they actually use them? So let's let's go down. I want to show you, these are some some screenshots out of the, the records from this girl that died using these drugs. So you see, they used midazolam, they used fentanyl. Let's keep going down. Now she went into the, the hospital on no, November 17th. She was there 22 days, which is the average hospital stay with somebody with COVID if they get them on remdesivir and a ventilator. She was on everything. I estimated they, they pulled in $750,000 from her hospital stay. So now you see um, midazolam, fentanyl. Let's keep going. Go down. Well, wait, to look at this one. Vent maintenance per day, $2,910. They love us so much. The hospitals, they're only there to help. Midazolam, fentanyl, and Ventum. Ventum, $2,900 per day, just in maintenance. Wait till they die to get the big payoff. Well, exactly. And it gets, it gets worse. Okay, so now we you see midazolam again, multiple. Now they have the verconium, which was also referenced. 
So, and you see, now we go, this is all the day before she died. So they gave her these to take her out. And then what's really, you know, if you don't think this is about money, take a look at the first line. So you see the fentanyl line there, Sean, but then right above there, it says uh, central um, nutrition. So $1,389.15. Oh, so this God. is, they they fed her through her, her um, they fed her TPN food through her central line as they're killing her to make another 1400 yeah, it's it's sick, right? I mean, you everybody should be questioning everything. That's another take home message: is get the records if you have a loved one who died. Get the records because if there is going to be eventually eventual justice through the legal system, you've got to have the records so that you can can join the eventual class action claims or whatever is going to come out of this. All right, let's keep going. There's a couple more things I want to point out here. So what's going on here is that. This girl was also put on an illegal DNR, and this is so egregious. So, the if you look at it, eight fifty, it says the doctor or father states they do not want patient to be DNR. Doctor Fox made aware, plan to speak with family again concerning patient's code status and goal of care. This is what they do. They try to pressure you into this box they want to put you in. Okay, so you look at at 850, the father said we don't want to be DNR. Okay, so look at what 13 seconds later they they put her in as a DNR code. They they ordered an illegal DNR on her just like they did on Grace. But wait though, so even under the PrEP Act, that cannot be one of the protocols. That can't be a protected protocol. It, it just it is, can't it be. Isn't. Can it be? No, okay. it is not. Yep. So they so went, they did the same thing to you and Grace. You didn't want a DNR. They put a DNR on your daughter anyway. And then the same is true for this young, was this a young female patient as well? It was. Yeah. yeah. This is not uncommon. So I, I can't emphasize this enough either. I mean, now that, that, you know, Grace's story has gotten so much attention. I mean, people, I had a guy fly into Appleton uh, probably six weeks ago now. He's doing a national DNR story because there's, there's thousands of these cases where they put DNRs on people. One of the guys from church told me that when he went into the hospital for COVID, they made him sign his own DNR order as a condition of entering the hospital. I'd like to say it's unbelievable, but uh, in upside down world, it's not. All right, take us. It's through. not, but you know, people have to get wise to this stuff because if you're, if you know, part of our responsibility is to be prepared, right? If and so that's why I share this so that you can be prepared. Don't let them put a DNR on you because you think you think in it, you know, everybody thinks, well, nobody's going to kill somebody. Right. right. So, you know, a DNR, of course, you, you would you want to would you want them to keep resuscitating you for two hours after you're already dead? Well, of course not. Well, you're and not as the, you know, I mean, the ultimate the real reason for a DNR would be that you don't want to live your life as a vegetable. You don't want to just be having machines breathe for you, even though you're brain dead. So people understand the philosophy of a DNR, but in this case, it's just part of the killing fields. It's part of the protocols these doctors are using to make sure these patients die so they get their bonus money. Bingo, that's exactly right. And that's why I'm sharing this. Okay, so now we go through one one more. You can still see on the, on the screen share, right? So then had long conversation with him. So this is the doctor having a long conversation with the dad about risks and benefits of both, and he ultimately consented to doing whatever our standard of care to try to pull Megan through. 
Okay, so this is a standard of care. This is wordsmithing because we would believe the word standard of care. That's a good thing, right? It's another slogan. The standard of care is low, just like moving at the speed of science means nothing when it comes from uh, that Pfizer parrot's mouth uh, over there in the EU when she was forced to testify because Albert Bourla, the CEO, didn't have the guts to show up and do it himself. That's, that's spot on. So, I mean, here, so now this dad gets pressured to, and so then he finally consents and all the doctors got the approval. So this time he's got the approval to put her on remdesivir. And I just want to show you this next slide. I'm going to wait because I want to just introduce it. So when Grace was in the hospital, the COVID expert, the very first day said, I'd like to put Grace on toxilisumab. So what I was doing, so this is one of the reasons I got kicked out is because I was challenging all this stuff. So I said, spell that, please. So I wrote it down and I have my laptop there. I start researching toxilisumab. I texted a doctor who I know and she did the same research and inside, you know, took us a couple hours and we concluded toxilisumab is a killer. The placebo group did better than the, than the subject group and the, and the drug has umpteen side effects. So I tell him we're not doing this. And I, he said, what's the reason? I said, well, look at here. I'll just show you one article. Here's the New England Journal of Medicine that says this drug is no good. And he gets mad at me. Okay, so now here... So you can see, well, what is the reason they're promoting toxilisumab? So you'll see we're going downtown to the last last slide in this slide. You see one dose is $22,000. $22,000 a dose. So one dose is 800 milligrams. That's what the 800 is. It's 22,000 a dose. So you can see why they want to use toxilisumab. It has nothing to do with the health of the patient. It has to do with the money. This is alluding. We know our country's being looted, obviously, but this specifically right here is doctors in hospitals looting. And I'll tell you what, the mainstream horror media and people like Sean Boberg from the Washington Post and others, they're in on it. They're in on the cover up because they are the ones responsible for trying to malign ivermectin and just call it horse paste. One of the safest drugs in human history that can be used to treat parasitic infections and all sorts of stuff, including COVID. And it was demonized endlessly, as was Joe Rogan, who talked about it. And why is that? Because this stupid drug I can't pronounce costs $22,000 per dose. So demons run amok while good men and women like Grace die young. I'm sick of it, Scott. Well, I, I am too. And I, you know, I'm, I'm thankful God gave me the strength to, to keep doing this, but um, you know, we, we got to stop this. You know, this is, this is some sick stuff happening, Sean. And, um, I'm just, I'm thankful that you were willing to have me on again so I could share these, these type of things with your viewers. So I appreciate it. Well, of course, it's my pleasure, Scott, and we can get you on again anytime as you continue to wage the battle and fight the good fight and take these people on in the courts which again is very, very important as my friends, James Tracy and Todd Callender just outlined in my last interview, which has done quite well, really struck a nerve with people because it's actionable information. Learn how to win in court without an attorney, become your own pro se attorney. Take these people on because there's nothing that puts the fear of God into somebody's heart like, ding dong, hi, how are you? You've been served. Take them to court, sue these people. So you're going to have to keep us up to speed, Scott, as you continue in this fight. Please do. 
I definitely will. I sure appreciate you and, and the work you're doing, Sean. Well, God bless you, man. All right. The website, guys, ouramazinggrace.net. Our guest has been Scott Shera. Scott, thank you so much. God bless you, sir. Oh, same to you, Sean. I sure appreciate it. All right. Thank you, sir. And friends, thanks so much for tuning in. I'll remind you every single day for free. You can get the truth, the real news, the antidote to corporate propaganda at thephaser.com and sgtreport.com. God bless you guys. We're all in this fight together. Stay safe. Stay strong. Bye-bye. I think that they have been caught. They know they've been caught. And now they need a mass casualty event. They have no choice but to see their genocidal crimes through. So they had nothing to lose. Yeah. Right? They're already on the hook. They're already complicit. They're already you know, going to go to the gallows for what it is they've done. So there was no reason for them not to do this.